This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hello, Admirals. You're listening to episode 216 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded on Thursday, April 2nd, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, April 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Cookie. Unfortunately, Jace needed the week off, but have no fear, because later on in the show, for Star Trek Online News, we're joined by community member and DPS expert Cam, a.k.a. Sarcasm Detector, to talk about this week's news. So what do we have this week, Cookie? This week we check out a few updates from Simon Pegg about the development of Star Trek Three or Thirteen, and a developing project by Leonard Nimoy's son. In SEO news, we have plenty to talk about, including the launch of the Delta recruitment event, new Tier 6 ships, and we'll track dev activity about the game through social media. Also this week, we reintroduce Foundry Reviews with Priority One's fiction writer, Jake Cobb. Finally, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. The Thursday night live recordings of our episodes are so much better when you join us in the chat room. So be a part of the production at around 8 p.m. Eastern, that's around 5 p.m. Pacific, Thursday nights only at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. We know Tony mentioned this last week on our April Fool's crossover episode, but we want to thank you again for voting for Priority One Podcast in the Best Produced and Gaming categories in the 10th Annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. On behalf of the Priority One Podcast team, thank you. Now, the announcement of the winners of this year's Podcast Awards will be on Tuesday, April 14th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And they can be watched live on podcastawards.com. We're hoping to view it together on TeamSpeak, so join us that night. To join our TeamSpeak server, just visit chat.priorityonepodcast.com. And the password is Priority One. All one word and lowercase. Speaking of hanging with the Priority One team, reach out to us throughout the weeks. Follow us on facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter via at STO Priority One. And if you're in-game, chat with the cast, crew, and fleetmates by joining the Priority One chat. To do that, just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One inside the game chat box. Now, let's check out what's happening with Star Trek 3 and a new project underway by David Nimoy. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Den of Geek recently interviewed Simon Pegg, who played Scotty in the rebooted Star Trek films and is co-writing Star Trek III with Doug Jung. He discusses the movie along with his other recent projects, Kill Me Three Times and Mission Impossible. When asked if they are starting with an old script or a fresh idea, Simon replied, 
it's completely new. I haven't read Bob Orsi's script and they didn't want us to, so we went back to the drawing board. He mentioned that he had certain issues with Into Darkness, but that he was very proud of it. So he explained that this film will focus more on the spirit of adventure and exploration. He knows that this is a huge responsibility that has been set before him and he's taking it very seriously, but he explains it's also fun. These days people kind of think, oh, things have got to be serious, but Star Trek was very, very optimistic. It was all about forward motion and the human condition. I feel like that's what it needs to be. Shooting for Star Trek 3 starts this summer and hopefully the film will be completed in time for the 50th anniversary of the Star Trek franchise in 2016. Simon also paid respects to Leonard Nimoy, he said. He had a very dry sense of humor, but he had such a good heart, that man. He was a genuinely beloved and special person. Well, speaking of Leonard Nimoy, according to Variety, Leonard Nimoy's son, Adam Nimoy, has announced that he, along with David Zippone, plan to produce a documentary about his father titled For the Love of Spock, to be narrated by Zachary Quinto, Quinto, who played the role of Spock in the recent Star Trek films. William Shatner has also agreed to appear in the documentary as well. Adam remarked, This will be a tribute to my dad and Spock. We have plenty to work from because my dad loved telling stories, and he was very fond of the role. Adam and his father actually discussed the project several months before his death and agreed on what the theme of the film should be, which would focus on Leonard's portrayal of the beloved character and his enduring nature. Have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? A new advancement in science or tech that you'd like us to cover? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. In this week's episode of Priority One Podcast, we're joined by Cam, a.k.a. Sarcasm Detector, one of the leading experts in finding your max potential in Star Trek Online. In other words, he knows the nitty-gritty math that can push your captain, your ship, and your crew to its limits. Cam, thank you very much for joining us this week and filling in for Jace. Greetings. Don't worry, listeners. Jace is perfectly fine, mostly. The torpedo isn't even armed, and he's got enough of an air supply to last him until he gets back next week. I hope. <laughs> well, why are you laughing? It's not like I shoved him into a torpedo and shot him into deep space so I could take his place this week. Why would you even think that? I guess I'm going to have to send my doffs on a special mission. Voyage home for Jace. <laughs> <laughs> the search for Jace. So Thursday was the launch of the Delta Recruit event in Star Trek Online. Cookie, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the rewards, because they finally released a blog regarding them. Yes, the Delta Recruitment event is now underway. It runs until May 21st, and during this time, any new character you create will be considered a Delta Recruit, unless you skip the tutorial, so make sure you don't do that. Everyone gets a free character slot, so it doesn't have to interfere with any existing characters you already have. So the dev blog by systems designer Jeremy Bordicus Cryptic Randall basically explains the whole RP purpose of having the Delta recruits is that there's a war coming against the Iconians and we need reinforcements. So the Delta recruits are here to aid us in that war and they're being sponsored by a mysterious benefactor. Maybe that will be revealed later what that's all about. As we've already covered, 
The general idea is that progressing as a Delta recruit is going to make it possible for new players to reach endgame content and features much faster. For example, each time you hit a 10 level milestone, you'll get free high quality equipment that matches your rank and is bound to character, plus a pool of marks available to the account. Once you hit 50, you get a reputation jumpstart package. So that will really help those new players. If you're an existing player, a lot of those rewards are account unlocks. So if you're like me and only focus seriously on one or two tunes, you're still going to get something for those tunes. There are a ton of rewards available to Delta recruits, and unfortunately we just can't cover them all, so we encourage you to check out that blog. Elijah, Cam, what rewards are you most interested in, or what about the details caught your attention most? Uh, for me, the improved temporal insight actually caught my attention. This is the final starship trait that you can receive of, of any of the rewards. And this trait is when activating a whole heal on self, you gain four seconds of damage immunity max once per 45 seconds. Um, so this isn't this isn't bad. I mean, it, you know, four seconds of complete damage immunity for, you know, and then once per 45 seconds. It's a really nice oh crap button when you have to hit it also i'm interested in that photonic engineering bridge officer candidate because it says fully customizable so what what does that mean is that like I, you can make it a a girl versus a boy an android versus like or is it the actual abilities and traits that you're going to be able to customize and lastly the space device temporal negotiator instantly reduce all bridge officer cooldowns by 50 percent but it's got a five minute cooldown so is it really worth it for that, you know, one time per encounter type of scenario, really, right? Because, you know, ISA, you can get it done in under five minutes or just short, or just a little above five minutes. So you can probably only, hit, you know, fire this off once. So is it really worth it? Personally, I don't see anything of major interest to me in the account unlocks. However, the R&D packs might come in handy and the extra marks. If I pick Fleet, will come in handy if when the next Starbase holding is released. However, the blog does say any reputation marks, so it's unclear whether the Fleet marks will be included in those. Technically, Fleet, well, Fleet's not a reputation, right? No, it's not a reputation. And a little bit further down in the rewards, there does say that you get like 100 Fleet marks for getting a, a certain uh, milestone. But, I mean, so you don't think any, even the, the traits, the Temporal Insight or, or the Temporal Negotiator, what are your thoughts on those, that Starship trait and maybe even the device? The trait is interesting. However, I prefer the, the trait that comes with the, um, the Eclipse Battle Readiness, which is every time you hit a Engineering Power, you get Defense and Resistances, and it stacks three times. So that one is pretty much always active at three stacks since you should be always running like two at least two copies of some engineering powers like emergency power to weapons or shields or something like that you think combined these could be pretty good on escorts that's a really tough one i'd actually have to test it out um the cooldown is a little bit long 45 seconds and it only gives you four seconds of immunity so four seconds out of 45 seconds is um it's a little rough the uh, Photonic Engineering Bridge Officer does seem nice, especially for those who like to roleplay and play Space Barbie with their bridge officers. Um, that's what I assume fully customizable means. It's just fully Space Barbie ready. What's what's Space Barbie? 
you really don't know what Space Barbie is. It's when you take your character and you change the clothing and the looks of the character. I mean... You play Barbie with your character. Doesn't everybody do that, though? Don't they all change the look of their character? Some people, that's pretty much the only thing they do in the game. Or that's, like, the the main thing that they play the game for. Something, something to do with role-playing. Right. I do a little bit of both, then. So, Cookie, what about you? Do you have any, like, anything that popped out to you? I don't know if this is specifically account-wide, but the fleet only dilithium and the reputation only dilithium was interesting to me. I'm kind of torn on it. I don't know if it's good that they're deciding for us where we, how we use our dilithium, or if it's a bonus, like, they're giving you your own dilithium and also a bonus of this and this. I can't tell you. I haven't gotten any. I haven't gotten to use the use the dilithium yet, so. But that's interesting to me that they, they did it that way. Didn't uh, Gecko in the previous show during the interview say something about it being fleet-only dilithium or reputation-only dilithium? Where you get this certain amount of dilithium, but you can only use it for fleet projects or reputation projects. Right. Right. When a Delta recruit jumps into a fleet, they will automatically earn a voucher, so to speak, for 50,000 dilithium, and that voucher can really only be can only be used in the fleet holding. Oh, wait, so you don't have to even do anything to get this other than join a fleet? Correct. Oh, well, then it's definitely good. I like it. <laughs> now, that's only available, it's character for, it's character bound only for that Delta recruit. On your account, you will earn 50 fleet marks and 5,000 fleet-only dilithium, a voucher for 5,000 that can only be used in uh, a holding. But they, you don't have to really do anything to earn it. You just join a fleet and you have all that. Correct. That's, that's, that's pretty that's cool. That's actually pretty cool. But that 5,000 dilithium can only be used in the fleet holding. That's fine because so I you need can't, it. You can't use that 5,000 and trade it for Zen. Because well, I didn't earn it, so that makes sense because I didn't do anything to earn it. But I need I need the lithium for my fleet. It's been really neglected. So. so there are actually a few other important things to remember with the Delta Recruit event. First, you must complete the tutorial. Now, this show is released on Monday, almost five days after Delta Recruits went live. So hopefully you didn't just skip the tutorial because you will not have been able to have earned the title of Delta Recruit and therefore progress in the entire event. Uh, second... You can create multiple tunes, and as long as you complete the tutorial before the event is over, you can progress at your own pace. Take six weeks, take five years, whatever. You'll still be able to earn rewards, the Delta Recruit rewards, as long as you complete the tutorial before the event is over. So make yourself a science tune, make yourself a tactical, make yourself an engineer, make one for the KDF, make one for the Romulans in the Federation, whatever you want to do, have it you know, stocked up and play at your own pace. Just make sure you finish the tutorial. They do give you a big warning and they tell you when you make a new character that if you skip the tutorial, you will not be a Delta recruit. So so you can't miss it. Can't miss this. Now, just because you make 400 Delta recruitment alts doesn't mean that you can cash in on all the account-wide rewards. Each account-wide reward is unlocked only once. And once unlocked, every character on your account may claim the associated reward a single time. Well, that brings us to our first community question this week. Now that you've had a few days to play through your new tune over the weekend, what are your thoughts? 
What rewards are you looking forward to the most? Let us know in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO216 by replying to the post for this episode on the official Star Trek Online forums, or look for the show post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. Speaking of rewards, we were explained that there would be global rewards unlocked by Delta recruits that completed certain objectives. In Thursday's launch blog by staff game designer Jesse Heinig, who explained what those bonuses are. This week's benchmark is measured by the first time completion of story missions by Delta recruits. If the first goal is met, then the entire game population will see a 50% bonus in skill points, expertise, and specialization skill points the following week. If the benchmark is met again, then next week we will see a 100% bonus. And finally, we could see up to a 150% bonus. This is actually probably going to be met because I'm looking at it right now. It's day one and it's already a fourth of the way through, so I can tell this is going to go well. It's not even the weekend yet, so yeah. So, what the blog wasn't clear, it says that this first week's benchmark is playing through the missions of the first time with your Delta recruit, but the way it was worded, it almost scared me a little bit because it, it, it almost made it seem as though that's also going to be next week's benchmark, only higher. You know, we need more people to play the missions for the first time. So, uh, but we've had confirmation that that's not the case. Next week's benchmark will be something different. You know, who knows what it is? You know, it could be, you know, play STS for the first time or, you know, whatnot. Uh, We don't know for sure yet. But I really like the idea of, of these bonuses because, you know, I need a better way to progress through the specialization trees and 150% bonus, that ain't bad. No, that is actually really, really good. I need some specialization points as well. So let's get that 150% people. The problem is, is that it's hard for me to do it or participate, right? Because I I, like if, so next week, once we hit that goal, I'm not going to really want to switch back to my Delta recruit, right? I want to play my main so I can earn expertise and I can't split myself in two. So, you know, this is really relying on fresh new blood to make sure that this gets done. Well, I think some people are going to wait. Maybe they're going to make a new tune each week. And each week they level up that or to do the best they can with that tune. And then the next week they start a new tune. I, I don't know if I can handle doing the tutorial that many times over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> we now officially know what this boner prize is. Thomas the Cat tweeted that it is the Andromeda class Exploration Cruiser or Tier 6 version of the Galaxy class Exploration Cruiser. And speaking of Thomas, he's done some amazing work designing the promotional materials for this Delta Recruits event. Congrats to Thomas. Boner prize. Yeah, that artwork is actually pretty sweet. I do do enjoy it. I like the style of it, right? It's got that kind of Art Deco, old style style to it. And... um... Speaking of the boner prize, let's get right into it. So for those of you diehard TNG fans, the Galaxy-class starship just got a Tier 6 facelift, followed closely by the Klingon's Nechtev heavy battlecruiser, a Tier 6 upgrade to the Klingon Negvar, and the Kakelra battlecruiser Warbird for the Romulans, a Tier 6 upgrade to the Romulan Dideradex. If you're looking to kitbash a bit, you'll be able to use parts from ships of the same family. 
As an added bonus, they've added the skin of the original Galaxy class and Negvar ships, pulling from source material. This skin will automatically replace existing versions of your Galaxy and Negvar class ships. So, according to the blog, they actually redid the original Galaxy skin, right? So, the shuttles have numbers on them, windows look right, they completely redid it. And it's a free upgrade for you, so you don't have to worry about buying this ship or whatnot. Your existing Galaxy class or Negvar will will get the more screen accurate skin regardless. Yes, I just hope that some of that has transferred over to the Galaxy X. Ooh, that's a good point. I wonder if it did transfer over to Galaxy X. There are some problems with the Galaxy X. The um, like the phaser lance is not straight, and there are windows missing in one of the variants. So hopefully that got fixed. Fingers crossed. I have the Galaxy X, but I don't fly it. Each of these ships comes equipped with the Molecular Cohesion Nullifier Universal Console, which causes damage to nearby enemies and provides a damage resistance buff to yourself. According to the blog, the console is deadly versus fighters, unless you're fighting against Cam and his team. <laughs> Additionally, the console provides a passive bonus to max subsystem power levels. Now, the console will work in concert with the Universal Consoles that come with its cousins for a two- or three-piece set bonus. The bonuses are very defensive, including improvements to all types of damage resistance, increase in turn rate, increase in engine power, even reducing engine damage to shields. The Tier 6 Mastery trait that comes with these ships is called Explosive Polarity Shift, which causes a large damage explosion centered around you when your engineering buffs use Reverse Shield Polarity. I'm not exactly sure in what scenario this might be useful, and how often you're swarmed by ships so close to you. Cam, can you think of any scenario that way in PvE? Actually, yes. Um, in PvE, you do want to get as close as possible to the enemies, whether you're using cannons or beams or dual beam banks. Not a lot of people do use reverse shield polarity, but I do have a ship or two of it on the build, so it's semi-interesting. I wonder how close the enemies have to be to be affected by this. And if the damage is decreased over distance, which I'm sure it is. And how much damage it does. I very seldom use a console that, that comes with the ship. All right, let's, let's be fair here. Most, most of the consoles that come with ships are pretty gimmicky for PvE and sometimes in PvP. However, the, um, the two consoles for the Galaxy like the saucer separation and the AMS console, the antimatter spread, are somewhat useful in PvP. Um, the antimatter spread, AMS especially, is very, very useful. Especially if you're, get a, if you're about to be vaped. If you hear someone decloaking behind you, then it's uh, if your reactions are quick enough, you can hit the AMS and just avert certain death with it. On the Galaxy X... Using the saucer separation gives you the shotgun lance, which is very useful. You can get a one-shot kill on someone with that. Plus, you know, extra turn rate. And the Tempest? Doesn't the Tempest have the Nadion bomb consoles? Isn't that really good? Yeah, the amount of consoles that are actually really good, you can count on one hand. Yeah, versus the, the ships. In most cases, like you said earlier, gimmicky is kind of what the, the consoles usually end up being. I mean, the, the Nadion Bomb is one of them. AMS is another one. The Impulse Capacitance is really good uh, for certain situations. There's a couple more that I can't think off at the top of my head right now, but um, 
there aren't really a lot of consoles that are really good that come from ships. Now, we won't be going into the specific layouts of each of these ships. However, these ships can support one Lieutenant Commander, Command Both. Just gonna do a very quick mini review of the ships. Um, this is my personal opinion and doesn't represent the views of Priority One or anyone else. Uh, pros of all the new ships, they all look great visually. Like we said, buying the ships will unlock the new visuals for any ships of the same class that you have purchased previously. It has a semi-interesting Starship Mastery trait that is shared between all factions. And the ships are actually cheaper than T5, T5U variants. They have cons. The ships have a lackluster console setup, which I feel is weak tactically. The fleet versions all get plus one engineering consoles. Now, specifically for each ship, good and bad, the Andromeda T6 Galaxy. Positives, it's a good looking ship. I really hope the visuals can be implemented on the Galaxy X. Another positive, the BOF layout is an improvement over the classic Galaxy T5, T5U, but not by much. Negatives, although the BOF seating is more flexible than the Galaxy T5, it is still very limiting on what can be seated. Tactically, the BOF seating is only slightly better than the Galaxy X only by virtue of having a Lieutenant Commander Tactical versus the Lieutenant Tactical on the Galaxy X. Another negative, I would have preferred if the fleet version had gotten a TAC console or a science console instead of the engineering. The Nektev Heavy Battlecruiser, the T6 Negvar, positives. Finally, the endgame Negvar that the Klingon captains have been waiting for since... It's been a while, I don't remember. Negatives. It has a 4-4 weapon placement, that is, 4 front, 4 rear, on a battlecruiser. I find that kind of meh. A battlecruiser should have a 5-3 layout. 5 in the front, 3 in the rear, like the Avenger, for example, or the Moog. Um, the ship only has 3 tactical consoles, and again, on a battlecruiser, 3 tactical consoles is not enough. Um, compared to the other heavy battlecruiser in the game, the Vaudoir Astica, it is even in the same league. The Astica has superior weapon placement, again, the 5-3 layout, has better boff layout, console layout, a very good console. Uh, it's faster, more maneuverable, and has a must-have trait. The Astica is also a lobby ship, which means it can be purchased fairly cheaply on the exchange. Another negative, the Negtev is the only ship out of the three that does not get a three-set bonus. The Dekelra Warboard Battlecruiser, or the T6 Dideridex. Positive, the ship has the best bridge officer layout of all the three new ships. This layout is very similar to what you can have on battlecruisers like the Avenger, the Moog, and pseudo-dreadnoughts like the Odyssey and Bortascue. That is, you can set um, five or six tactical abilities on the ship, as opposed to a maximum of, what, four on the other two? Negatives, the ship again has a little bit of a lower turn rate than the other two ships. Another negative, the ship again has four four weapons and only three tactical consoles on a battle cruiser. Compared to some of the other 
cruisers, battle cruisers that I have in my lineup, and I do have a lot of cruisers. These guys are kind of meh. I mean, they have some good things going for them, the looks mainly. But apart from that, um, there are better ships out there. And unfortunately, it looks like the Klingons got the really short end of the stick this time. What do you guys think? I think that for battle cruisers, for it to have a three tactical console layout um, is disappointing. Um, although I, I, I mean, I think that the argument that we would hear would be that these are engineering-focused ships, you know, designed for the tanker more than the the aggressor, so to speak. That's all fine. But don't call them battle cruisers, then. Right. Yeah. Right. I agree. I think they should have more. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a tactical officer. I like survivability, but I also like to pack a punch. I probably just on the mere fact, if if a ship doesn't have at least four tactical consoles, I probably won't consider it. Out of the three ships, I think the the Romulan one, the T six, the Derelix, the Tekelra is probably the one you can push the most performance out, just because of its bridge officer layout. The Andromeda, you know what, it's fine as it is, because it is an extension of the Tier 6 of the galaxy. It is an extension of the galaxy. However, they basically cloned the galaxy onto a Negvar and a Deteradex, and they should not have done that. So what's you, what do you think? You're going to buy any of these, or what, what are your thoughts on it, final thoughts? At the moment, I cannot... I don't think I will be getting one of these, not for the near future anyways. It is cheaper than buying a T5 ship, but it's kind of odd because people say, oh, well, these ships are so expensive and whatnot. But take a look at it this way. If you have a tier 5 ship, you want to get the fleet version. Say, like, the Galaxy. You want to get a fleet Galaxy all the way up to tier 5 U. So the base ship costs $25. To get the fleet version, another $5. To get the tier 5 U upgrade, $7. So guess what? You're paying $37 for the ship. This, on the other hand, it's going to... To get the base ship, it's $30 plus another $5 for the upgrade, the fleet upgrade. So there you go. $35 is $2 cheaper. Well, Admirals, here's our second community question for the week. What are your thoughts on the new Tier 6 battle cruisers, including the Andromeda? Are you going to jump in and buy them? Are you such a fan of the Galaxy-class ship? or its cousins that you're going to just go ahead and buy it, let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com by replying to the forum post on the official Star Trek Online forums or on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. So we did have some release notes, obviously, of course, the launch of the Delta Recruits event. Uh, Cam, was there anything on the release notes that caught your attention? The first part of the patch notes briefly outlines the release of the Delta Recruitment event, which we've already discussed. Some fixes have been implemented. So for the first part, the new feature episode, Uneasy Allies, sees a number of minor fixes and tweaks to the mission and its rewards, including resolved an issue where the Romulan Imperial Navy Combat Armor required too many technology points to upgrade to Mark 13. The Plasma Repeater Pistol Rewards option is now very rare quality. Second, Azure Nebula Rescue. A fix has been implemented for the issue of non-spawning Romulan ships. Now, 
there were actually two issues here that I have personally seen. One, the Tholian ships will spawn, but not the Romulan ships. Or two, neither the Tholians nor the Romulans will spawn. I haven't had a chance to run ANR, ANRA yet today, so I don't know if this fix will resolve either or both of these issues. So, actually, before we continue with the release notes, what are your thoughts on the changes to the difficulty level and completion of optional objectives in PvE queues? Uh, in this case, the first queue being Azure Nebula. I really didn't like it too much. Uh, it does make it easier to pug. However, the rewards have been reduced. That is my main gripe on this. So with Azure Nebula, Normal and Advanced, if you're looking to get marks, don't bother with Advanced. Go to Normal. It is a lot easier to get the marks in Normal. You, just, you can free the ships a lot faster and you can get more ships through. So you'll end up getting more marks. With the advanced, a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, really have a hard time just doing the ones and twos, let alone the threes and fives. So the optionals are going to be failed most of the times, and you're going to have like a group of two, three, four people just sitting on ones and twos for like five minutes trying to clear them. ANR is a little bit weird. It doesn't really require DPS to finish it. You can there's a couple of different ways to go through it. You can be like in a stalker, those little shuttles, um, and free ships that way. You don't have to sh fire a shot. You can do something called a pin and spike build, which is very similar to what we use in no win scenario, which is basically a grav well and cannon scatter volley. You hit the ships with a grav well and then you spike him with a cannon scatter volley. And what that does, it'll pop the small ships first and start a warp core breach cascade. The small ships will pop, they'll damage the medium ships, which will then explode, and when they explode, they'll damage the bigger ships and they'll explode. So it's, it's actually quite funny. If you have a cannon ship that uses cannon scatter volley, you only need between 10 and 15K to actually finish the mission to run it properly as opposed to, say, 30k, 40k with a beam ship running fall. And if you're interested in getting your DPS just slightly improved with the changes to Delta Rising, we encourage you to check out our blog, assisted by Cam himself. That's at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CS1. And again, don't be afraid of trying to improve your DPS. It's not a unicorn, and it doesn't have to break the bank. You don't even really have to spend very much money at all to get yourself up about 20 to 25 percent no it's not and it's it's pretty simple it's either being about passive or being i don't want to say aggressive but you can be you know passive about it and demand that they nerf things and make it easier for you so you can you know get the rewards that you want or you can actually be active and improve yourself and adapt to changes and just you yourself will you know step up and make the game easier for yourself and i actually was kind of in that passive role for a while just because i didn't know and it, it got a little boring it is more exciting when you try to improve it adds a little bit of excitement and something something to look forward to and 
something to strive for, so... The third and last thing I want to mention from the patch notes, a tier 6 fleet filter has been added to the ship requisition store. Sadly, it currently only includes the new T6 Galaxy, Negvar, and the Daredex. I'm still waiting for the fleet versions of the Intel ships released with Delta Rising, specifically the Fleet Phantom, the Fleet Eclipse, and the Fleet Fate. This week's patch notes are very light on fixes, focusing mainly on the release of Delta Recruitment. See our show notes for more information and links to all the dev blogs. Again this week in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from Perfect World and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse. Our first is a tweet from Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, lead designer of Star Trek Online. And he wrote, been spending the last week with the leads working out the details of the Stowe story post season 10 through 2016. So much awesome still to come. So for those of you concerned that Star Trek Online might close its doors in six months, looks like we're going through at least till 2016. That makes me a little bit worried. If there's so much awesome to come, maybe players will love it so much and we'll get even more lag. Oh no. (laughs) No. Salami Inferno tweeted a pic of the system designer team brainstorming ship traits and consoles. Unfortunately, the screens with all the secret goodies had been blacked out. Boo. Yeah, it looks like the government document. Redacted. Al Rivera, Captain Gecko, tweeted asking what players wanted from STO's new expansion. And T Mirror Universe replied, CO Nemesis, Delta Q slash DS9, new classes, Ferengi faction, Personal Holding Deep Space Outpost, Explore equals no maps, Fleet Alliance System. Al Rivera then replied to that, that at least two of those things were going to happen. Too bad I don't know five of the five. (laughs) And then Maria Rosso tweeted, Coming soon to at Trek Online Game, a new species and faction, assimilated Borg. Making decisions is hard. Let the collective think for you. Oh, it was an April Fool's joke. Never mind. It was pretty funny. Salami Inferno posted on Reddit in regards to the lack of ship slots being an issue with all these new ships coming out. Quote, we are aware this is a problem for a growing number of players. We are working on a solution that will let people keep far more ships without absolutely killing our database. We'll have some information soon. Thank you. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's their it's, database uh, that's the issue? It was Yeah, the problem is that Star Trek Online stores everything. Every iota of your information for your character and characters is stored on their servers in these massive databases. So imagine ships are a folder and your weapons and your consoles are a piece of paper, a very thick piece of paper in that folder. Construction paper, we'll say. And. Construction <laughs> paper. At least say cardstock. It's cardstock, okay? It's card- Okay, it's cardstock. And each piece of paper inside that folder is cardstock. Uh, on top of that, you've got your bridge officers and then all your DOFs. These are all. This is all going into one folder. And then some people have 20 folders. And so multiply that times a couple of million. 
it gets pretty heavy on the database. And then on top of that, your own tune has a folder, right? Your paper doll and whatever he's carrying is also a line item on the database. So it gets really, really huge and very, very laggy. That's probably where the lag's coming from. Yeah, we'll just say that. That's well, I wouldn't know about that, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. But no, I've, I'm, I'm always hitting my maximum ship slots. Every couple of months, I'll buy another two ship slots, and it's it's getting kind of ridiculous. There's a lot of ships that I just can't get rid of. Yeah, you know, lobby ships, fleet ships, lockbox ships, event ships. So this, if they can do some kind of relief for that, I'd be much grateful. Well, Admirals, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's move into our revamped Foundry reviews with Jake Cobb. Hello and welcome to Foundry and Five. Since this is our first go, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm Jake Morgan, writer of Priority One's Prelude series, voice of Finn Cobb, infrequent P1 skit scribe, and world-class rhythmic gymnast. Okay, most of that was true. I, like many others, enjoy good Star Trek story, adventure, and gameplay. The Foundry can offer all of that in spades. Time travel, mirrorverse, political intrigue, exploration... Great Foundry authors have tackled all of these exciting stories and more. But with so many choices, the Foundry can be daunting. The goal of Foundry in 5 is to offer Priority One listeners a quick review of some great content they may otherwise fly by, or advise them to steer clear of grinders they could possibly try. Five categories will be reviewed and graded numerically 1 to 5, 5 being perfection, and a final recommendation will be given at the end. Spoilers will be noted, so fear not. But since this is called Foundry in 5, we best get to it. Start the timer now. This week, we review Star Chaser by Johnny Snowball. Upon completion of this writing, Star Chaser was the first choice in the Foundry Top 3 for the Delta Valena system. It was accurately listed as taking about 35 minutes to play. To begin playing, simply fly to the Delta Valena system, which is southwest of Earth's space dock, and click Delta Valena's Star Chaser. Searching Star Chaser in the Foundry search bar will also yield the same result. Opening text advises captains that their ship has been redirected to the Delta Volantis system to maintain Starfleet's focus on exploratory endeavors. Mission details are vague, but the text indicates an exploration-style mission. So let's see how it plays. Combat. If you're looking to pew-pew, this mission isn't for you. Not one beam bank fired, not a single enemy incapacitated. Sort of. To be more accurate, you do not engage in combat. Frankly, it isn't necessary, and the addition of combat may have cheapened the mission. However, since no active combat is included in Star Chaser, it receives a 0 out of 5. Puzzles One jumping puzzle and one codebreaker puzzle are included in Star Chaser. The jumping puzzle is super, super easy, but it's fun for what it is. The code puzzle has little explanation, unusual markings, and seems more trial and error than cryptography. Thankfully, there is a skip feature. Unfortunately, I ran the puzzle twice, skipping once, and received the same dialogue from both. An attaboy would have been great for a successful completion, but that's a minor complaint. While the puzzles were mediocre, they were included and easily completed or skipped, so they receive a 2 out of 5. Map Builds Star Chaser does an exceptional job of keeping load times down by using foundry wizardry to give the illusion of map transition without actually transitioning. Warp and transporter effects are the two stars in this regard, but not without presenting some minor problems. 
Warp effects can be borked if the player approaches from odd angles, and the transporter room builds invisible walls that hinder player movement. Overall, the space maps were fairly simple but well designed and maintained the atmosphere and tone of the mission. The selected space props stayed true to character and species backstory, and the little touches did not go unnoticed. Ground Map 1, containing the transporter room and initial destination, was a mixed bag. The transport effect was great. The player and choice involved yielded tangible gameplay results and, quick spoiler alert, the weightlessness sans environment suit was fun as hell. Following transport, however, there is a visual glitch that makes everything but your trigger object disappear. It's a hiccup, but immersion is damaged, so it must be mentioned. Ground Map 2 was excellent and had several beautiful points of interest to explore. As is the case with some UGC ground maps, the minimap was useless, but Johnny Snowball had the foresight to place a verbal map in the form of a console at the entrance. Even if you play this mission just once, check out the map. Despite the hiccups, the maps were better than their flaws. 3 out of 5. Dialogue Star Chaser's dialogue is for the most part magnificent. It not only maintains immersive story, but creates replayability. It's obvious that many hours went into crafting not only personality, but diversity and player choice where dialogue is concerned. In a couple of very rare instances, it seems off. For example, when you first encounter the NPC party, the player choices seem less regal than they should be for the circumstances presented. It was mildly distracting and quickly forgotten, but worth mentioning. The dialogue glows far more than it dulls, though. In one instance, the player has the ability to consult with boffs, which can be a dangerous endeavor as it can impede on boff backstory but Johnny Snowball walks the line well. Many of the conversation options throughout the mission had a fun, snarky choice, and I chuckled out loud several times. If you're like me and choose based on roleplay, go back and play Star Chaser a second time, choosing the funny options. It's a must for the Tellerite security guard at the end. If 5 is perfection, which it is, dialogue gets a high 4 out of 5. Story Quick spoiler alert. The story is equal parts exploration, first contact, and cultural curiosity with a dash of zealotry. Johnny Snowball does a wonderful job of creating a relatable villain, a fleshed-out culture, a reason for exploration, and a longing to know more, all in 35 minutes. Some story points were obviously added for gameplay purposes and went nowhere, which hurts the story a teeny tiny bit, but honestly not enough to drag the score down. I want to know more about the Zarians, the Charic, the Order. Similar stories have been told before, but this is just as good as any other telling. 3 out of 5. Recommendation So would I recommend Star Chaser to the Priority One audience? Yes, absolutely. Johnny Snowball delivers solid map and character builds, good story, replayability, exploration, but most of all he delivers a fun trek mission whose sum is greater than its parts, all in one 35 minute sitting. My exit review was 4 out of 5, and of course 100 dilithium. Always tip your authors. For Priority One, I'm Jake Morgan. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Admirals, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Here's a reminder of last week's community question. What are your thoughts on the upcoming changes to the advanced cues? Our first piece of feedback comes from Star Chaser via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Nice show. I liked how you mentioned Esri Ryan's YouTube show on keybinds and piloting found it a couple of days before I listened to this podcast. I'm already putting some of what he says into practice. On your community question, I'm not sure I really like what they are doing to advanced queues. I am okay with how the rewards will work. I do not like that the failure conditioner will be removed. More importantly, I think it lessens the victory. You can't fail 
You can't lose. You lost the experience of cheating death. I'm okay with normal having no failure conditions, but for advanced, it's supposed to be advanced harder. And victory should taste sweeter. Not just because you got a better reward, but because you cheated death. I can appreciate the sentiment. Um, you know, I think that there is a a fine balance between just, you know, upping critter hit points versus making the game more challenging in some way. Um, I think that removing the failure condition from advanced might have been a... I think for advanced is a good move. For elite, I would not remove the failure condition at all. And I, I hope they don't. I, I hope they don't. But I, clearly there there is some gateway to entry for advanced, especially for pugs. But again, plugging that blog post of ours on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CS1, it doesn't take much to improve your DPS output by 15, 20, 25% without breaking the bank if spending money at all. This queue was an interesting one to start with because it is kind of unique and it's not really like any other queues. So... I don't really know how I feel about this until they start doing ones that I'm more familiar with. You know what I mean? Because it's so, this one's so different. Like when they do ISA or Crystalline or Fleet Alert or whatever, or ones that I do all the time, then I'll get a better idea of whether or not I really like this or not. One interesting thing I saw on the forums would be tying some of the rewards to the optionals. Um, some like the, um, the elite rewards, the uh, the bioneurals and etc. like those, having those bound to the optionals. So if you get the optionals, mm. then you'll get the more advanced rewards. Yeah, then it w- really will be more like a fail win because you're going to do it to get those things, or some people will. I'm confused. Isn't that what it is now? Uh, no. No, it's just you get a couple of extra marks. So, for example, in Azure Nebula Advanced, whether you do it in normal or in advanced, the only thing you get extra from advanced is 10 extra marks, some extra dill, and one piece of bargainite. That's all for a ridiculous amount of increased difficulty. So, it's... And so tell me the comparison again. So you, your your idea would be to do what? Um, have it so, for example, let's say ISA, Infected Space Advanced, have the reward of the bioneural processor be linked to the optional. If you get the optionals, then you'll get the BNP, the Elite Mark, or you know the Ancient Power Cell, or whatever it is. As it is right now, they can fail all the optionals, and still get the elite rewards, which personally I'm against. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing the absolute minimum that you can do and still get the reward. Let's just give Azure Nebula advanced as an example right now. Like I said earlier, you can get more marks doing the normal. But say you want the piece of Argonite, the one piece of Argonite, all you have to do is go in, free one ship and then go AFK for the rest of the match, and you will get the reward at the end. Yeah, that could be a problem. Clearly, that could be an exploit. But in terms of linking the final reward to the optional, I'm trying to think if there's... I mean, other than you know being in a pug and feeling the optional, is that any different than what it was before, or what it has been before? I guess if you fail an optional, you get failure, and then nobody gets a reward. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad idea, Cam. 
Because before, before this change, if you failed and advanced the optional, that's it. You failed the mission, you didn't get any reward. But what you're saying is link the reward to the optional portion instead of it just being marks to the optional. If you meet the first optional, you get X reward, you know, and then, you know, the, the, the rare crafting materials. And then if you make the third optional, you get the, the, the very rare crafting material, that, that final piece. And that way you won't have people just AFKing or going with the absolute minimum requirements to pass, getting in the queue. And that's what, that's my main peeve about this. Um, it seems like people want two easy modes. They want their normal mode and their, they want their not quite normal mode. And then Elite and the DPSers can go to the Elite queues and leave everyone alone. That's not really fair because there, there's different levels of skill in the game. Not everyone's going to be doing 100k DPS. So what I mean is that there should be something to cater to the casuals to you know the people who are not quite casuals but not quite hardcore players and then something for you know the elites it should be something for everyone they shouldn't be two easy modes and a really hard mode i'm still waiting for improved class objectives so you know you have undine assault and you have and mirror invasion where a specific ship type was required to complete an objective maybe faster than others uh, or for some type of a bonus i wish that they would explore that further and improve on that type of gameplay even more in space and in ground maymay2 writes on the star trek online forum post for this episode not sure where else to post this but thank you ryan sto for creating that special keybind video that was exactly the kind of in-depth explanation i was asking for not that I'm so deluded as to think you made it for me, lol, but this was nonetheless exactly what I was hoping you'd be making one of these days. And thank you, P1, of course, for yet another great show. Well, Ryan STO, hopefully you listen to the show, and you will have heard that. <laughs> Old Chimera commented on the Star Trek <laughs> Online forum post for this episode. Well, it's got a KH in there. A KH is pronounced with phlegm. <laughs> And two A's, so you had to draw it out. Yep. The A, so it's ah, old camera. Tribbles. It has all been caused by tribbles. Long, lengthy, foul sounding stream of invectives in Klingon, Romulan, Riemann, Farisian, Orion, and all other known languages in the Alpha and Beta quadrants, with a smattering of Delta quadrant languages and some really choice words in Vodwar. <laughs> But it does explain why the fed ships I've shot at lately have exploded in a cloud of fur. Now, I've been picking up fed escape capsules, but the risk of bringing tribbles on board is too great. Sorry, fed's gonna have to go back to floating home. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a good reply. <laughs> so, Cookie, um, we're gonna have to discuss this. I thought we came to an agreement not to publish that. I don't know how it got out. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to ask for all those nerf no, 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 back. No, 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 no. I've already used them. Sorry. No, we're gonna. No, nope, I've already send, used them. I'm gonna send the space repo people to you, mm -mm -mm. and you're gonna get them back. You'll never find them. Gavin Rudeblade commented via PriorToOnePodcast.com was was Porch talking about My Little Pony in the background of the intro skit. 
or just tossing out random non sequiturs. Either way, love that intro. Cheers to all the DPS people. That was actually Ryan. Yep, Ryan is T.O. They were yeah. talking in the secret language, right? Yeah, the secret language of the DPS. My Little Pony. Somehow involves My Little Ponies, I guess. Mad Wolf writes on our Facebook wall. Ha! Loved the P1 Guard Frequency April Fool's Swap Mirror Universe episodes. It was awesome. You guys should do more show episode swaps. Keep up the awesome. Thank you, Mad Wolf. Thomas Meow Maroney, Thomas the Cryptic Cat tweeted, Loved your crossover April Fool's show. Sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, sure we did. We had tons of fun. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) In regard to our recent blog, The Casual Player's Guide to Performing in Delta Rising, located at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CS1, Graham Armitage tweeted, A very good guide. I might use this on a new build I am planning. Well, a very special thanks to folks like Cam and Ryan STO and, and Matthew4060X for helping us in testing and putting together all the information for their knowledge and contributions and making that the guide that it is. So thank you very much, sir. I actually learned a lot from that guide. A couple of comments from the forums from Snipey47A, ROFL, dribbles attached to pets. Yes. Big smiley face emoticon. That is a thing. We even made a video about it recently. Ryan SEO's latest video shows the pets in ISA. Just the pets alone. No ships. Completing ISA Advanced. I know the guys made it look easy, but I was actually listening in on them on TeepSpeak when they were doing it, and my first thought is... You know, the amount of coordination these guys are, are going through here, This the only queue that requires this amount of coordination is Hive Space Elite. And it doesn't sound like they're doing Hive Space Elite. It sounds like they're doing ISA. Why are these guys coordinating for ISA? They know it backwards and forwards. They didn't actually tell me what they were doing. I found out later when I saw the video. I think it was pretty much inspired by that little skit that we did. Dio Kent comments on the forum post for this episode. Very funny intro. Also, those hard questions were lame. I think that was the point. I know, those guard (laughs) frequency people. They don't know how to run interviews like we do. How dare they try to (laughs) insult us? I know I speak for the silent majority when I say... Oh, my God. I know how to run an interview. No, don't speak for the silent majority. All those questions were softball questions. Well, Cam, I want to thank you so very much for joining us on this episode. It was a real pleasure having you with us this week, and hopefully you'll join us again should we need another sub. Very happy to come along, and thank you for having me. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STOPriority1 or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 216 of Priority One Podcast. But before we do, it's time to thank a few of our patrons. Matt Miracle, Lee Malin, Steve Humphrey, and Isaiah Dorsch. We thank these awesome patrons and the rest of the amazing listeners that support us each month on patreon.com forward slash priority one. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or you can grab the raw unedited recordings 
by visiting patreon.com forward slash priority one to find out how. Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. This week's community questions are, now that you've had a few days to play through your new tune over the weekend, what are your thoughts? What rewards are you looking forward to the most? And what are your thoughts on the new tier six iconic ships? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO216 or by replying to our post for this episode on our Facebook page or on the Star Trek online forums. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at priority one You can even join the Priority One Podcast chat in-game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one in the chat box inside star trek online admirals we want to thank you for your ongoing support of priority one podcast thanks to our patrons we've already hit our monthly running costs it's time to start thinking about vegas don't forget even if you can't offer financial support sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show and enjoyed that crossover mashup last week, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Yes, we were actually in last week's show. The Priority One fleet is recruiting! If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. A very special thanks to Cam, aka Sarcasm Detector, for joining us this week and filling in for Jace. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Ben Churchill with support from audio assistants Admiral Winters, Frederick Redegard, and QA support staffer Midnight Shadow 7. You can catch Midnight Shadow 7 on Tribbles and Ecstasy. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale. To all of our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our prelude dramas and foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. To Chris Trone, our social media manager. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Also, also, also this week. Very Spanish. <laughs> very Spaniard of you. Also. <laughs> also this week. To join our TeamSpeak server, just visit chat.priorityonepodcast.com. And the password is priority one. All one word and lowercase. Wow. That's the first time you've given it out on the show. I wonder what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't think, it's not the first time. It's not. There, we have the password there for not because we don't want people in. Is that we don't want bots in. So we, we have a password there for a reason. So if you're a yeah, robot, a you're not. a huge party. If you're a robot, you're not allowed in the TeamSpeak. Now, let's check out what's happening with Star Trek 3 or 13. The Kikalara. <laughs> Kikalara. It's Kakalara. Kikalara. 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 Well, the first part of the patch notes briefly outlines the release of the Delta recruitment. I love it when you mess up. Is that bad? That's racist, Cookie. <laughs> Did they say anything about stability? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing about stability. Okay. Troll. <laughs> Those damn tribbles. She posted some pictures. It was actually fairly funny. She made a funny. <laughs> yeah, these pictures are so dark. I can't even tell what I'm looking at here. Or by replying to our post for this episode on our feedback. Oh, man. So close to me. Oh, I guess I got to hit stop. <laughs>